Welcome to the Light Lounge. This is Thomas. I'm a lighting designer in New York City. And hello everyone, welcome to this week's Light Lounge. I am as always very excited and today especially because I speak with a true lighting design icon. She is an educator, a thinker, a lighting designer and a provocateur. I speak with Natalie Rosso. People in the New York design community will definitely know her. Everyone else who does not know her should know her. Why? Because she received a Lumen Award this year for a humanitarian project. That is so special in that sense that usually all the awards are giving out to high-end bling-bling projects. But she received the award for her engagement using light as a tool for the raw sense that it communicates love, security, safety, connection, hope, and so much more. We will speak all about that and so much more. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to the Light Lounge. I'm very excited as always because I sit here at Union Square today. Um, with the fantastic Natalie Roseau. Uh, Natalie, how are you? I'm good, Thomas. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. Thank you so much. Um, so it's a pleasure for me um, to be here because the last time we met each other was actually at the Lumen Awards um, here in New York, where you were awarded with um, a very specific award, what we definitely will speak about in a second. But um, for everyone who does not know you, um, would you be? Would you please give us like a short um, rundown where you're from, where you're coming from, how you went into lighting, and um, sort of what were like sort of key milestones on on your way? Well, where I come from geographically is from France, as everybody will probably guess from my accent. Um, I came to New York. Um, so the first time as a student and I went back to France and then I came back for what I thought was a couple of years, about 20 years ago. And, and clearly now I've, I've stayed. And it's actually in New York. I came from a design background, science first and design second. And I had practiced um, in several design disciplines before uh, in New York having the opportunity to do some freelance work for l'Observatoire International, where mm -hmm. he worked. Um, and uh, that was my, that's how I discovered light. Um, I didn't, it took me by surprise. Uh, and I found that it was, of all design disciplines, was the most interesting one. So um, after roaming other fields for about 10 years, I've settled in lighting in 2000. Yeah. That's probably it. I think that that happens to the most people that they are more like by accident in the lighting, how surprised, how amazing this, this actually can be. Do you remember like a moment where you thought, okay, do I either go more into science or do I go more into arts? Of course, lighting is very interconnected, but, um, is there, is there a moment where you thought, okay, do I go more into, um, into something tangible or was this maybe actually the, the interesting part that lighting is actually not tangible or is it is it actually tangible well i think i have always had um you know when i first did my studies in science it was i didn't realize then how that i was actually really interested in science uh, and that interest probably has become more clear 
throughout my years as a as a design practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, without calling myself a, a techie, I'm I'm really interested in in the science and the science of light. I think is particularly interesting because it's varied. You have the physics of light, um, and you have the physiology, uh, human factors, and it takes you into you know clearly the eyes, the sensor, the brain. So right. it takes you into your sciences, and and if you're interested in those things, it's just really quite interesting and quite fascinating. I never pursued um, that as a, um, an area of practice, mm-hmm. but I've always uh, needed that as a complement to, let's say, a professional practice, because for me, that's it's all those other dimensions that make the practice interesting. Something uh, coming back uh, to stuck struck me by um, surprise was so when we actually met at Lumen Awards um, this summer uh, in New York, I so we talked a little bit before, and I at that point at the at the reception, I didn't realize that you were. I I think the books are like hidden, and you you can see sort of the award books afterwards, the the sunset hour or whatever it's called. Um, so I, of course, could not congratulate you. So congratulations to the award because the award and why this is so special and I was struck by surprise while I was sitting there was that you received an award for a human, 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 for human, <laughs> can, can you help me? <laughs> humanitarian. Human, humanitarian project, exactly. Um, this is, I think, very special because the the, of course, the result or the project itself is just, absolutely so different what has been awarded I think in the past and I'm not sure if this ever has been given this kind of award I think it's completely new right would you share a little bit about what this project is where you're coming from and where where you see the vision and what's the sort of the lookout well first of all thank you um yeah it is I suppose I know uh the first um it's a citation award um, for humanitarian action. And I thought it was fit that um, this year was also the 50th anniversary of the Emory. Lumen Awards. That yeah. was not lost on me. So I <laughs> you know, said, okay, the Lumen's turned 50 and, and uh, it's the first um, citation for mm-hmm. uh, humanitarian action, uh, which I think is, I'm hoping that really is opening the door to um, a lot more uh, of this kind of work you know it's 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 funny I did not I mean I submitted uh, you have to submit to the Lumen Awards mm-hmm. and I submitted the project more as a provocation than an expectation because uh, it's very difficult to get our industry's attention to this kind of work And I thought, well, if the Lehman Awards ignores it, I have, you know, that always gives me material for some of my writing or my communication. So whether, but I, I, and that's really where I thought it was going to go. So Mm -hmm. I was very surprised to hear that, you know, I actually, the the jury, the community um, decided to uh, give it an award. And I'm grateful because uh, I think that, it's again. It's um, uh, it really opens the door to more of those projects and gives more exposure. So. Have you have you had any specific reactions afterwards? Did did people come up to you and say like, "Ooh, 
that's a provocative uh, thing, or was the response mainly? Well, positive? I haven't heard anyone telling me that I should not have gotten okay. an award, <laughs> but I am, you know, I'm pretty sure that that's what some people think because of the culture and the you know frame mind frame of mind in, yeah. in our field where well this is not lighting design and 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 that's where the provocation was to say well this is actually uh one form of practice in lighting design and and you can approach those projects with uh the expertise of, of lighting design what what happened at the lumin awards i really use the platform to um because it's a wide audience so right. i use the platform to put in a call uh, for more action mm -hmm. because that particular project is very replicable. And, and also I had been extremely frustrated by the lack of action in our field in Puerto Rico uh, since Maria. So I used my few minutes to uh, put my call out. Of course, yeah. And I actually, in return, I got a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. And several people came to me and I could see there was real emotion People who really felt uh, had heard the call and felt that they would like to to help. Um, that led to um, because I, I realized that was a moment. There was really there was something that happened that moment. So I've pushed forward the idea of doing some work in Puerto Rico. I had been contacted. Uh, in the meantime, by a group of students who were interested in doing some action in Puerto Rico, but mm -hmm. didn't really know what to do or how to do it. And I came up with the idea of, of doing a short-term action, you know, a short-term project, but approaching that project as a series, as a template, series based on a template. And so... We launched Recreo de Noche, which means playing at night. Mm -hmm. The premise is that in the tropics, it's dark very early, around six. Mm -hmm. And a community playground is a place for social and recreational needs. Mm -hmm. Even though now most of the electricity has been brought back to Puerto Rico, on the one hand, it may not last because there will probably be other um, events. Mm -hmm. And, and also the communities that we serve were not necessarily served with the best lighting to start with. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the vision. Uh, we got the support of, the, um, of DLF NY, Designers Lighting Forum, mm -hmm. New York, and, and the IS uh, New York chapter, to do a pilot project uh, with, a, with a group in San Juan. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple of volunteers who I, I, I went, I, I did not want to be part of a project because I'm really interested in engaging the lighting community. And I feel that if I do the projects, um, I'm limiting, you know, my time, whereas what I can really bring is to facilitate other people to be engaged. Yeah. Uh, so I did just to put the project on track and, and the project is, is moving forward. We have, so we... Uh, we're doing one. We have requests for two more from two other communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, all three uh, community groups have told us that they'd like to do more than one project with us. Oh, wow. So there is really a great potential for this to scale up. Yeah. But this is going to be a collective effort. And um, I am right now actively reaching out to the lighting industry to support this work. Because I, the big picture 
um, that emerged from all of this is I think we need a cultural shift in our industry. And if we want to see people getting engaged, a lot of people have a desire of things it's a good thing, but it's, it's quite a step for them to actually getting engaged. And I realized that from my experience in Haiti, um, I can actually facilitate that. I can mm -hmm. uh, engage volunteers. I can train them. And and for SCUP, um, which that, is the yeah, right. we'll That's talk about that. That's the framework within which I do that work. Um, can really um, help volunteers with a whole framework of of project programs and uh, with replicable That's projects. Yeah. So that's the vision, grand vision, grand and I need uh, the lighting industry to to share that grand vision. And um, okay, let me um, step back. So the project sort of started. Did it actually start in 2013 or in Haiti? In Haiti, yeah. Yes, um, I had been a member of a French nonprofit that was founded by Roger Narboni, with whom I uh, used to teach back in France. And so in, I think they started going to Haiti in 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And one year there was a call for volunteers and, you know, people from Europe, it's quite a distance to go to Haiti. So I volunteered, I said, well, I'm in New York. For me, it's pretty easy to, uh, to go from here. Yeah. So 2013 was the first year I went. And that particular year, one of the requests from the local nonprofit that we worked with was um, to help them with an electrification towards the lighting of exterior spaces in the informal settlements. And of course, I raised my hand mm -hmm. because that was that had been an interest of mine for quite some time. For probably, I started. Uh, Looking at those uh, at those issues back in two thousand, in the mid two thousand, um, which was a time when there were a lot of architects mm -hmm. um, and sociologists who were working on those topics, but yeah. there was nobody in lighting working on that. So you know, I, I just had my own train of thought. So when I when I in two thousand thirteen, that was really the kind of project that came to me, and yeah. I was like yeah yeah i think i can i can help <laughs> I can. with that <laughs> to build to draw like a picture so is it completely dark is there no electrification at all was everything destroyed through water hurricanes um where, what was sort of the starting point you you had what was it really completely dark beginning out five at six p.m or Yeah, things are very dark in in a lot of areas in Haiti. I don't think things were better or worse before the the earthquake, which was really right. the um, you know what, the what main we incident. were coming in. Yeah, before we we went in, um, you just um, you're dealing with with people who live in what's called light poverty. Uh, in addition to poverty breeds light poverty. Yeah. And light poverty is something that, going back to what I was saying, is mm -hmm. I think something very relevant to our field that we can, our, with our expertise, we can address more efficiently than other um, organizations who will just drop 
lights in you know in different territories right. so there is absolutely no light and the one of the and that's why i bring the expertise one of the uh, premises of the of the project was well they they wanted to do an electrification but i knew that the grid in haiti is very unreliable and and even though there was a political commitment and that happens in a lot of developing countries or mm-hmm. countries that have informal settlements mm-hmm it becomes a political decision. So once there is a political decision to expand the grid there, it's progress because there's a recognition that people actually live there. Right. However, the it was more the on the technical side mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the, the grid is highly unreliable and stable in, in Haiti. So my first uh, task was to convince the clients, and I call here the clients, I mean, we work with a local Nonprofit Vocal, who is extremely well grounded and well connected with the communities that they serve. But I call the clients the communities that they serve and the community representatives who actually were the people that we were working with through wow. the um, community organizers from from Focal. Again, that's that's you know that's the team. Um, one of the first task was to tell them, well, the electrification, yeah, you need electricity, but that might take a while. So in the short term, uh, we can put lighting um, very quickly. Wow. But but to do that, there was also a second element, which was because people's references, those pretty bright solar street lights that right. come, you know, are dumped on, on those markets from different distributors mm-hmm. who knows where they get their stocks. Mm-hmm. And the problem with those products is that when you put a very bright light source, then then you um, constrain everything else that go in, can go in there. Right. So that's why it's, we started with an educational uh, framework, which was, to train people to understand contrast. Well, you know, if you don't have any light, you actually don't need a lot of light right. in order to have the light. And and that was also connected to a product that I wanted to use, um, which was a lot less expensive than um, the pearl-mounted lights and allowed us to put a lot more lights throughout uh, spaces. So... Most likely, financing is, of course, a critical point in this whole. Well, that thing. was that's that project was done through lighting designers without borders and financed by Focal. So Focal, that's also why it started in 2013. But we didn't actually put lights in the field before 2015, I think, okay. because they were um, waiting for funds from. You know, they funders. You, you're talking about a pretty large NGO that gets funds from, you know, UN related, USAID, those kind yeah. of big, big uh, funders. Okay. So they were supplying, they were funding all the material. Um, the, the model for Puerto Rico and, and other programs that I'm looking at has to be different because a lot of the local organizations that we work with are a lot smaller and mm-hmm. don't have that kind of access to funding. So that's right. why the, the the model I want to try is to have Foscope be funded in order to uh, procure the lighting for, for those projects. Okay, understood. Okay. 
just to give um, everyone the information about Foscope, is Foscope is has Foscope been established? So this Foscope is, can I say, is it your company? Is it your this your realm of research of work? Yeah, Foscope is one of my brain children. Okay, um, and it's a it's a think tank on light. Mm -hmm. And Foscope came to life when I was. Uh, frustrated by, as I always am, as you know, by the lack of you know critical critical study and social studies and applications in our field, and and also frustrated by the ongoing architecture centric uh, culture of of design disciplines. Right. So, as I often am, I decided to be a little provocative and to take a photocentric stance. And I founded Foscope um, as really to put light in the center of things. And I, I think the best way to describe it is, is I became a phototect. So when you say photo, everybody thinks photography, but photo, the Greek root, actually means light. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, once I had the word phototect, it's, I've never liked lighting designer, by the way. So it's just, I find it kind of weak and it doesn't really, um, mm. you know. Yeah. And, and uh, I thought, oh, phototech, that really sets the tone. Yeah. And, and one word led to 500 and one language led to three more at the moment, six more uh, in the future. And so, yeah, so that's, Foscope is, uh, is a nonprofit. Okay. And it has the vision um, is to have three areas of work. One is design research and experimental um, projects. Another one is um, public events, and another one's publications on the work that's realized in you know uh, the, the design research and the discourse of um, yeah. The forums and the the social initiative and your work that you're doing in Haiti is sort of yeah sort of Foscope. If people are interested, they should contact Foscope, or everything would sort of be handled from Foscope. Is this my is this your So right? the the work that I did in Haiti, the the project. I mean, I I clearly came to that project with my own you know background research mm -hmm. and and uh, reflection on the topic, so I could bring the research, the analysis, and develop a strategy for the project. Mm -hmm. The project was realized with and by Lighting Designers Without Borders mm -hmm. for the local organization for Cal. Understood. So it's a little bit like three different aspects of the project, but all the background, there was pretty extensive market research because also the off-grid lighting uh, market is not the commercial-grade architectural lighting yeah. uh, market. Uh, plus, it's um, you know it's it's understanding the energy issues and and who are the big stakeholders, players of developing countries and um, populations who are off grid. Yeah. So there was a lot of that research, and and that was really you know that's that's I'm for scope in that sense, and that's what I was bringing to that project. And yeah. then uh, once Focal approved the the project, then we. They, they procured the lighting and, and we worked to implement it. And that was a very collaborative yeah. process with, with the communities. Yeah. 
before I before we continue with more Foscope, I how can I imagine a realization actually in these areas is happening? So you are are you are actually placing fixtures? Are you developing um, lighting designs, or you're educating people to understand light that they can make their own decisions and then basically use the fixtures that you determine are the right ones? How 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 does the realization actually work yeah so there is um in terms of the in terms of the i, I think the starting point was the strategy mm -hmm. and the strategy was to work with three scales of products that would give three levels of light and would have three types of distribution one yeah. was pole mounted Uh, for the public spaces. Another mm -hmm. one was um, the solar kits that I was referring to earlier because uh, it's several light points that are connected to a panel and they cost a lot less than street right. lights and they were very adequate even though they're not designed for that. I kind of transposed the use for all the circulations and pathways. Yeah. And then there was the portable lights um, which I always wanted to distribute through the channel, use children as a channel. Mm -hmm. And and we ended up working with um, the cultural center. And, and that's now the, there's a clear channel through libraries for that. Okay. So th that strategy had to be approved because you it's very important to really work with communities. And again, not not replicate the model of big NGOs who, yeah. who just you know go and, and dump their own ideas. So there was a lot of exchange there is knowledge transfer because again you cannot convince people to use uh, very low light levels if you don't explain to them why it's important right so there were workshops educational workshops um, and as an educator it's pretty easy for me to transpose a lot of my coursework to to this um, and And then there was, because you work in, in those environments, we had to start with a pilot project. There's also a lot, you know, you can't romanticize those environments. There's a, um, there's a harshness and a darkness in them. Um, so because of all the dynamics um, within the communities, we, it was important that they would select and they would have a consensus of where to locate the fixtures right. so there was a a strategy was proposed um knowledge was transferred yeah and then um i tested because i knew you know the quality assessment of, of products is also important so i knew of some sources so we did some tests and, and making sure that there was uh, good quality products that we could that we could use And then the community selected where they were going to put those fixtures. And we then we assisted. We helped. We gave some advice. Right. There was a, a, an element where I insisted on people to paint. Um, you know, they had to buy white paint. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. With the lights. Uh, yeah. and, and that's part of the education. You know, it may not have worked the first time. I, right. I, I would love to see some graffitis and more artwork <laughs> wherever there's a, yeah. a, <clears throat> a light source. I'm um, hoping that that will um, happen down the road. It's it's you're clearly dealing with people who are so hungry for light that uh, you can't blame them for. I, I mean, I, I I like to say for wanting food first, and then they 
then they can cook. Yeah. But that's also where the the training, the workshops uh, can be more artistic in nature and really help people sort of go beyond that. Yeah. And I think that's why the award is absolutely um, absolutely um, earned uh, in that sense because there is one thing to say, okay, we only award uh, or pay attention or our industry is focusing on only like high-end projects that communicate like an experience. But I think what that actually does is that it puts light not as like a tool in the center, but it communicates so much more like hope, art, life, like sort of the, the basic needs. And I think that's why, um, that's why it is so strong. How, what would be help from, so you said before the industry, is it, I think mainly the manufacturing industry or is it lighting designers who, what would be, what is the biggest need right now for you and how can people help you in that sense? Right well, now. we need funding. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. I, you know, the lighting trade in, in general, and uh, we need sustained funding. I, I really want to see people becoming, uh, I mean, we, we are working out a whole, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like <laughs> this know. is a pitch for, for it, but well, I've been course. pitching a lot lately. Um, but I, I, I want to see, you know, donors come back and really support the, the long-term uh, yeah. action. And I, so that's, that's one thing. And another one is the human resources. Um, we are going to need a pool of volunteers. Uh, the training program is almost ready to go. We are testing it on the first, uh, on the first project, Recording Noche, because I'm working, you know, some workshop outlines. And as mm -hmm. soon as we are ready to launch another program, uh, we will be ready to uh, kick off the, the volunteer training. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, again, I've I've heard from people. Well, it's a little, you know. I think it will be less intimidating. And I really think that when people understand that, oh, they just have to sign up and, and things just kind of worked out. So they go, they do some workshops, they, right. you know, they install lighting with communities, but they don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um, so those are the two. The two the big cities. ones. Yeah. yeah. And I think that sounds, it's, I think there's always a barrier to ask for something, but I think when it is for something that is, that has, such a big important impact it's absolutely legitimate to to ask for it and i think that the of course i'm uh, listening and leading and reading a lot of things about how to sort of implement larger visions uh, in in different systems and i think the to give like a sort of a global vision or an overall wish, vision but then ask and and get into the communities in, into the communities and the local communities to actually make the change happen is i think the absolute right strategy so it sounds um like something um that is worth absolutely investing in what is uh, what is something that you would like to see in young lighting designers or also in established lighting designers what how how should they change their focus that lighting becomes the center and that it, that they become also um, photo techs? Well, I would love to have a lot more photo techs in the the market. I believe I'm still the only one. Um, but 
Well, I guess, uh, you know, going back to what I was just to transition, one thing that I also meant to say is, is my interest in, in social practices is also informed um, by my frustration that lighting is so much behind other fields like architecture, where you have tons of social practices um, and, and a variety of actions right. and, mm -hmm. and also educational training. Yeah. It's very much part of a lot of uh, programs. So I think lighting has a lot to, you know, it's the curse and the blessing in lighting always, yeah. which is there's a lot to do um, because that's the blessing and the curse is it's hard to do because it's not part of the culture yet. So young designers, I mean, as you know, I've, I've been an educator for a number of years. Um, I think the best advice I always uh, used to give students was, I don't know what your practice is going to be. You need to invent um, your, you know, some practices that you're going to experience in your lifetime will be similar yeah. to some of the practices today. But there's also a whole range of practices that I can't think of right. that you guys are going to invent. And, and they will be, they will come from the industry they may they may come from the context and you know that that you'll be growing in, but I think it's really a mixture of of those things yeah. and uh, um, things change, things evolve, and and I mean that's one thing that's particularly true about lighting, which is uh, it has already gone through a lot of transformations, so it seems to be <laughs> set for you know that kind yeah. of uh, yeah. Uh, and I, you said something before that the word lighting designer is not really rich in itself and it's still kind of flat, using my words here. Um, and I, uh, you, I completely agree that there is the architecture had time to evolve and develop itself over hundreds and potentially thousands of years and lighting is like... Um, a fairly young profession and I think lighting there's exactly I completely agree to that lighting has to do a lot of things at the same time to come to a point where it's it's needed and it's it brings the most value yeah but I think lighting has to make an effort I mean the lighting field has to make an effort as well because yes architecture has a longer history but a lot of the critical thought and critical study in architecture is quite recent. So I think that that's, you know, it's also on us to really push ourselves and expand our minds. Um, liberal arts, and, and that, that also ties into the question about young, young practitioners. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's some controversy about, especially in our field, right? right? Should you think or should you execute? And uh, I am. I think it depends where you're trained. Uh, I think if you go to a certificate program, you should learn to execute. If you go to a program in liberal arts, you should think. And that thinking will give traction to your execution. It will place it. It will position it. Right. But it's not necessarily the, the the main focus, and I think that's one of the big areas of confusion that we have in our field. Yeah. So, I'm not sure. For me, I think titles is something 
for me personally, not very important, but like for the lighting design industry and like the lighting designer in itself, would you consider this, that this is important? Do you think that, for example, the certified lighting designer is something that potentially helps? I see in the in the, in the past couple of years, um, people put like um, PLDA or ILD behind their names as titles to um, communicate that they belong to a sort of a professional environment because the title lighting designer is, of course, not protected. Everyone can call him or herself. Do you yeah, think those, are, those are slightly different things. It's it's common to mention your professional affiliations in your, in your title, but the lighting design certification program that you're referring to, which was installed by the IILD a few years ago, it's... Um, I don't know. It's not something that I was ever interested in pursuing personally. So mm -hmm. I'm keeping an eye on it. Right. Uh, I'm interested to see how people respond to it mm -hmm. and how it evolves. Yeah. I think it's better to become a phototech. <laughs> Absolutely. We should, we should, I'm, I'm, I'm. Will you be the second phototech? Of course, I will be the, se the second phototech. Um, okay, we'll set that up. Um, how can. If people are interested in uh, making either a financial commitment or uh, helping um, to bring um, hope, love, and now I'm getting like a little bit more poetic here, but like so much more uh, important social work out there, how can people reach you? What What is your favorite point of, uh, of contact? Well, there is a, a contact information on Foscope's website. Mm -hmm. So Foscope is phoscope.org and uh, people can navigate um, through the website and there is uh, contact information. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, I mean, again, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm really looking to expand the work, expand the team. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that there are some people who are really quite excited and, and I think as a greater collective, we can do a lot more. Of course. So I hope I will help uh, spread the word a little and, um, that the audience, um, if they don't reach out yet, that they at least get enough information that this is out there and that this is available and that people can mm -hmm. potentially reach out. Um, Yes, yeah, spreading the words is very important. Absolutely. Natalie, thank you so much for your time and uh, thank you so much for, for the work you're doing. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks. And that was the conversation I had with the fantastic Natalie Roseau. Everyone who is interested in helping, supporting and engaging with her initiative in order to bring light as a symbol for hope and connection, safety, community and everything what we just talked about, please reach out to her either in a financial support or even just spreading the word that there is actually social engagement with lighting happening. It does not need to be always just architecture. Everyone... Thank you so much for listening. You can reach her under the website. I put her contact details in the show notes. If you want to say hi, if you have any questions, recommendations, who I speak to, who I should speak to, la 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 la, um, please just shoot me a text on Instagram, uh, Thomas underscore Nich. I speak to you next Monday. I'm very excited as always and wish you all the best. Bye.